You're listening to the St John's Diamond Creek Podcast. This episode presented by Senior Minister Tim Johnson. Today we have two readings. The first is from Genesis chapter 3 verses 1 to 5 and the second is from Matthew chapter 4 verses 1 to 11. So Genesis chapter 3 starting at verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, You must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat it of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And Matthew chapter 4, starting at verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The temper came out of him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up with their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdom of the world and their splendor. All this I will give to you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and the angels came and attended him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In his play Hamlet, William Shakespeare wrote these famous words. This above all to thine own self be true. Shakespeare was writing in about 1600, but that line sounds like very modern advice. It's the sort of thing that you might expect to hear at a graduation ceremony. Be true to yourself. Don't let anyone else tell you what to do. Follow your heart. Or in the words we've used as the title for this series, you do you. Over the next four weeks, we're going to think about personal identity. The question of who am I as a human being and an individual? We've based the series on this book by Brian Rosner. Uh, Brian's the principal of Ridley College, uh, where I trained, as did Joel and Maddie. Uh, They're also one of our mission partners. Brian's book is called How to Find Yourself, Why Looking Inward is Not the Answer. 
If you want to know who you are, where do you look? Common advice today would be that you need to look inside yourself, search your heart, and don't let other people, your parents, your society, politicians, or religions, tell you who you are and what to do. The official name for this approach is called expressive individualism. Author David Brooks puts it like this, people today believe that when you're figuring out how to lead your life, the most important answers are found deep inside yourself. A US survey undertaken in 2015 found that 91% of adults agreed that the best way to find yourself is by looking within yourself. The Canadian philosopher Charles Taylor says, modern freedom and autonomy centers us on ourselves. And the ideal of authenticity requires that we discover and articulate our own identity. Brian Rosner sometimes uses the term the self-made self. You know, personal identity is a DIY project. You discover or even construct who you are, and that is entirely your choice to do that. Now, Rosner lists the seven main points of expressive individualism as follows. The best way to find yourself is to look inward. The highest goal in life is happiness. All moral judgments are merely expressions of feelings or personal preference. Forms of external authority are to be rejected. The world will improve dramatically as the scope of individual freedom grows. Everyone's quest for self-expression should be celebrated. And certain aspects of a person's identity, such as their gender, ethnicity, or sexuality, are especially important. Now, as you look at that list, how do you react? What do you agree with? What do you disagree with? And if you disagree with some of these points, then how would you argue against them? Uh, what we're talking about with these seven points are what's called a worldview, right? These points present a picture of reality, of how the world works. They tell a story that explains how to live your best life. And increasingly, these things are just part of our culture, right? You won't find them listed like this because increasingly they're just accepted as reality. These things are just part of the the air that we breathe. Now, I'm guessing that you don't notice the air that's going in and out of your lungs all day and night. We'd notice, sure, if there was a problem with the air, if there wasn't enough oxygen. But normally, we just breathe in and take it for granted. It's the same way with culture and increasingly with this approach of expressive individualism. It just is. It doesn't need to be argued for because these are treated as self-evident truths. Uh, they're expressed in the movies that we watch and the songs that we listen to. So in the movie Frozen, the main track was the song, 
let it go. As Elsa decides that she'll no longer be bound by outward expectations and restraints, she sings these words. It's funny how some distance makes everything seem small and the fears that once controlled me can't get to me at all. It's time to see what I can do to test the limits and break through. No right, no wrong, no rules for me. I'm free. That song was the anthem for a generation and it is classic expressive individualism. Uh, Similarly, in the movie The Greatest Showman, we've got the memorable track This Is Me, which has these words. Look out, because here I come and I'm marching on to the beat I drum. I'm not scared to be seen. I make no apologies. This is me. One of the greatest singers of this generation, Taylor Swift, spoke these words at a graduation ceremony at New York University in 2022. We are so many things all the time, and I know it can be really overwhelming figuring out who to be and when. I have some good news. It's totally up to you. Who you are is totally up to you. That's the self-made self. Now, our church here at St. John's is multi-generational, and what I'm describing will result, I think, in different reactions from different generations. For our younger generations, this expressive individualist view is very much the air that you are breathing. Uh, Your school friends, uh, your work colleagues, probably buy into this worldview without even thinking about it. And it's so accepted and yet unseen that it's hard for you as a Christian to convince them otherwise. It's so accepted and yet unseen that it might be hard for you to think and understand yourself otherwise. Uh, For our older generations, this viewpoint that you construct your own identity is frankly bemusing and a radical shift from what you have experienced and understood. So how did we get here? It's worth noting that this is a relatively new cultural phenomenon. Uh, The terms personal identity and identity formation were barely used before the 1960s. And there's been a gradual shift and change from this time onwards about how identity is to be understood. Uh, David Williams from our mission partner CMS uses two images to help us understand the change that has happened over time. Uh, Firstly, imagine a huge dome placed over the earth so that nothing can get out and nothing can get in. So we as humans have started by excluding any idea of God from our thinking. It isn't permissible to bring in the supernatural or the idea of God. As John Lennon sang uh, in the song Imagine, imagine there's no heaven. It's easy if you try. No hell below us, above us, only sky. If we put a dome between us and God, if we imagine that it is just us, then the world will be a better place. But secondly, David Williams uses the image of putting glad wrap around our brains. Right, That's the shift to individualism where what 
I think determines who I am. Uh, even isolating my brain from my body. So the phrase, for example, I'm a woman living in a man's body, that would have been virtually incomprehensible as a statement 70 years ago. Now, questions of gender identity and gender dysphoria are big and weighty questions. It's complex and it's emotionally laden and I don't want to be simplistic or flippant. All I'm saying is that there has been a cultural shift in thinking in this area. Where there's a disagreement between what my mind says about my gender and what my body says about my gender, which one's correct? Right? The mind or the body? The default used to be that, well, the body is right and the mind is wrong. But now the default is that the body is wrong and the mind is right. So much so that the body might need to be changed to align with the mind. And in Victoria, at least, you can now be prosecuted for suggesting to a person that their mind needs to change. So who you think you are is actually who you are. That is your true self. That is your authentic self. That is the real you. So what does the Bible have to say about expressive individualism? Let's consider some of the positives and how the Bible affirms them. Firstly, expressive individualism is inclusive. You do you affirms each individual as unique and special. It doesn't want to leave anyone out due to gender, ethnicity, or social standing. And the Bible is on board with that agenda too. Listen to Galatians 3.28. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Faith in Jesus makes other identity distinctives like race, gender, and social status less important. They're not unimportant or irrelevant, they're just less important compared to being united and included in Jesus. Secondly, expressive individualism is self-reflective. It encourages us to look at our hearts and to look inside ourselves. Right, That's important for self-understanding and awareness, and the Bible affirms that as well. Romans 12.3 says, think of yourself with sober judgment. Right? It's, it's okay to think of yourself. It's okay to understand your own heart, but you need to do it carefully. Earlier in the verse, there was a warning to not think of yourself more highly than you ought to. Uh, the Psalms too are full of people examining and speaking to their souls, their own internal person. And thirdly, expressive individualism encourages authenticity. You do you is about not living by other people's expectations or pressures. Be yourself. 
And the Bible also wants this sort of authenticity in our identity. Uh, A good example is uh, Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. Uh, As Joshua leads the people of Israel into the promised land, he gives them a challenge. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. You need to decide which gods you'll follow. You do you. But regardless of what you decide, my family and I will serve the Lord. I won't be swayed by your decision. I'm a follower of Yahweh and we will follow him no matter what. That's authenticity. So the elements of inclusivity, self-reflection and authenticity are all good things and are affirmed in the Bible. So where might the Bible challenge expressive individualism? Well, our two Bible readings today both wrestle with questions of identity and will help us think about this more. Genesis 3 is the account of the fall. After God has made the world and placed humans in the Garden of Eden, he gives them free reign from the trees in the garden, but there's one restriction. They can't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. As we heard read, the serpent then questions this command of God. And this interaction reflects three aspects of expressive individualism. So Adam and Eve are encouraged to reject external authority. Yes, God has given you a command, but don't worry about that. You decide what you want to do. You do you. Secondly, Adam and Eve are told that life will be better if they exercise their personal freedom. Your eyes will be opened. You'll be like God. You'll know good and evil. Now, we know that this exercise of personal freedom didn't end well and life was in fact worse, not better. Thirdly, Adam and Eve are encouraged to make moral judgments based on their own personal preferences. Eve sees that the tree looks good for food. It's pleasing to the eye. It's desirable for gaining wisdom. Her desires draw her to the fruit. But God has said, don't eat the fruit. So should she trust her heart and her desires? Or should she trust God? Sadly, in that moment, both Eve and Adam choose not to trust God and are deceived by their desires. Chasing greater freedom and happiness, they actually lose the good things they've been given by God. Our second Bible reading presents a direct contrast. Uh, Jesus faces a similar moment of temptation. He's in the desert, not a garden. But Satan's attempts to tempt him relate to his identity, his identity as the son of God. So the first two temptations start with the words, if you are the son of God. They're designed to test whether Jesus will be a faithful and obedient son 
to his heavenly father and whether he'll be a faithful human living under God's rule. Now, Jesus was hungry. He had physical desires. And so Satan tells him to act immediately on his desires and to turn these stones to bread. But Jesus won't do this, as it would be a misuse of his power just to satisfy himself. So he won't make moral judgments simply based on personal preferences and desires. Similarly, Jesus won't test God by throwing himself from a great height and asking God to catch him. Uh, He quotes the Bible, an external authority, and places his trust in that to affirm and to shape his identity. And throughout this temptation, Jesus is willing to embrace suffering in order to serve and to be obedient. So his life is not just about the personal pursuit of happiness, but serving God and others. Here's the strange irony that we see in Jesus and we see reflected in a life following him. Our world says that life is better when you exercise your personal freedom. But Jesus demonstrates that faithful obedience to God and service of him is the true path to freedom. Now, it it may be harder in the short term, but for us as humans who are made in God's image to reflect his character and priorities, we find our true freedom by living in obedience and service of God. We find true authenticity in being the people that God has made us to be. And so at every point, we have a contrast. Adam and Eve reject God and follow their desires. In trying to be free and to pursue happiness, they find themselves enslaved to sin and death and mired in brokenness. In trying to be authentic, they undermine their true identity as children of God and and people made in his image. But Jesus pursues a different path. He shows that Authentic humans trust and depend on God. Our hearts and our desires can deceive us and we need to listen to God's word. That's where true freedom is to be found. And so the Bible challenges our unthinking adoption of expressive individualism and offers us a different and better way to freedom and authenticity. But it's not just a case of the Bible tells us so. We're actually seeing and experiencing genuine problems with expressive individualism in our world today. Brian Rosner has described the problems with three Fs. Expressive individualism is fragile, failing, and faulty. So expressive individualism is fragile because more and more people are struggling to know who they actually are. I quoted uh, Taylor Swift before, but there's more to her quote that I cut off. She actually said, I have some good news. It's totally up to you. I also have some terrifying news. It's totally up to you. If you really are a self-made self, 
if it really is a DIY project, then that's a lot of pressure on you. It's no wonder we see a rise in anxiety levels in our society. If external authority is to be rejected, if we are in a dome and, and our brains are glad-wrapped, then we are truly on our own to determine who we are. Where will guidance and direction come from? And how can you know who you truly are? Secondly, expressive individualism is failing. A key goal of expressive individualism is the pursuit of happiness. But studies suggest that happiness in our society is decreasing rather than increasing. And indeed, a, a Melbourne University study showed that overemphasizing the importance of happiness actually results in an increase in unhappiness. Studies also suggest that we're becoming more isolated and lonely. We're turning inwards and shutting ourselves off from others in order to truly find ourselves. But that undermines relationships which are vital to our enjoyment and indeed to our understanding of our identity. And lastly, expressive individualism is faulty. Looking inside yourself to find yourself is simply inadequate. We need more input than that. We need external input in order to truly understand ourselves and to find our true identity. That's what we're going to look at for the rest of this series. We are social beings. We need relationships with others to know who we are. We are created beings and we do need to understand ourselves in relationship with God to know ourselves. We're storytelling beings. We need to understand the story that we're living in. What are the key events? What has happened in the past and what is still to come? What's my part to play in the great story that I'm embedded in? So understanding who you are, understanding your personal identity and what it means to live a truly free and authentic human life is a vital question. We need good answers. We need good input. And not all of it is found in here. As Christians, we need to look to Jesus to find our true identity and to be guided and shaped by what he says about who we truly are. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, you can do so in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Just search for St. John's Diamond Creek.